0: And the Purifying Truths with Ace Star. Such a pleasure to have you with us today. For those of you who are in the audience, you are in for a treat because today we have with us a comedian, eh, yeah, a pharmacist, mm-hmm. but Tuckin' Tadil is also a king. Royalty people all the way from a small village in South Sudan. Welcome to Purifying Truths, Tuckin.
1: Thank you so much. Adam. Pleasure, it's an honor being here.
0: Oh my goodness, we're super excited. I can definitely say I don't talk to kings often. So um, I'm super <laughs> excited to have you on and to have you tell your story here on Purifying Truths. We'll go ahead and jump right in. Tell us, please, about what it is like to be. Mr. Tekken to deal. Um, where'd you grow up? How was it like growing up in the village? Take us all the way back,
1: man. Um, now that's a pretty loaded question. It's like a emotional roller coaster. <laughs> those, uh, I guess I could start off by saying, "Give um, glory to God," uh, because I was born with one leg further than the other. Cleft leg in a small village where we were very scarce medical resources. Mm-hmm. Um, my name was Joel. I was the son of a king. My dad, Biel Tudil. You know, I guess he was a head angel. And the reason why my name was Joel is because I had two twin brothers before me that passed away. And Joel, in our language, means replacement. Because, come yeah. on, how are you going to split the throne in two, right? So, as I was born, I feel like... Okay, so there was a lady that was praying on my mom's stomach while she was pregnant. So I don't know if you guys call that like magic voodoo or whatever. In the midst of that, I was the only person out of my immediate family that was born like this. Mm. Coincidentally, I'm the next heir to my father. So... So the lady was praying my mother's stomach. For some reason, I guess they everybody knew that she was gonna be converted to a boy, to a king. Within that, I guess the lady felt like she was doing something good as cursing me or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Literally, you she know. She just unraveled something that's way beyond even her imagination.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> So we really don't know if she was praying, P-R-A-Y, or if she was praying, P-R-E-Y, being over your mother when you were in her womb.
1: You know, that's actually a pretty good way of thinking. I never mm-hmm. really thought about it like that. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Kind of take life by the punches.
0: But I'm nevertheless, the curse <laughs> has been <laughs> reversed. And so you were born and um, into... A small village. And here you are, the next king. It, it, it still
1: sounds weird when people say king. You know? I like to just say, uh, your majesty. I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 no, um, so within that, um, some people from, some mission workers from Germany landed in my village out of nowhere. I was there for like six months, just, <laughs> you know, just crawling around. Then they came down and... Um, I told my father, hey, we have a brand new procedure. Anybody that needs um, you know, medical attention, you know, my father, obviously, has flesh dibs. He's like, well, we quite do. He looked at me and they said, okay, so my case is very serious and they need to take me as soon as possible. Mind you, we did not have any hospitals, nowhere near. And then my dad kind of was like, hey, well, I already lost two. You're not going to take my third one because the third time is the charm, right?
0: Right.
1: Then, oh, my. Yeah. My mother, on the other hand, which is my salvation, <laughs> she had to make the most toughest situation, decision, my mother had to do. She told my father, hey, it's not coincidence that they came here at this time. You know, God brought him here, and God will bring him back when he's ready. Powerful. He love something. If you really love something, you must let it go. So I went to Germany by myself.
0: That's a mother's love. I can't imagine being even given that option to keep or to give away my son. Wow. Uh, But she she made the decision to to let you go. Um, Certainly, that was pure love. Please share with us. What happened when you got to Germany, in Germany, without your family?
1: Um, That's kind of a tricky question because I was six months I didn't even know the idea of what a family was until I got to Germany. Mm-hmm. That's where I met Bettina. She was uh, the caretaker that took care of me for uh, almost five, six years. And Germany was nothing less than a miracle because I discovered strawberry ice cream. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite ice cream still today. And I had to get surgery, you know, on my prosthetic, you know, I can straighten out my limbs so I can walk in my (laughs) truth. And um, in, in the midst of that, you know, they changed my name to Tekken. A lot of people kind of make fun of me because, like, oh, you were just really taken. I'm like, oh, really? Why am I back? And, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, my very first language I learned was Dutch. I still spoke mm-hmm. in the Dutch. And um, me and Bettina, we used to, man, she's, I, I, me and her, we used to take our trips from Aberhausen, the Peace Village, which I was uh, stationed at, all the way to Frankfurt, which is like about 10 hour drive. Just me and her, you know, bad boys for life. Aww. <laughs> you know? my best friend, and began to love with me. And then the German embassy gets a call from the king. Because originally the contract was only supposed to be for two years. They kept me for three more. And when they, I guess they meant to, to take me back, but the minute I find out that my country was at war, and, you know, they that's just not, they, they didn't feel easy of taking, you know, a new child down there, a baby, that's it. And, um, they said, "Hey, is Joel there? My father." I said, "No, we don't have a Joel. Is Deloitte there? No, we do not have a Deloy." Well, oh, well, the Tulia. Tulia, Just, just where's the Tulliard? Just bring him here. He's, he's there. I need my son back. So, but that was when my life changed because the exact same thing that my uh, my biological mother did was the exact same thing that my German mother had to do because I was her first, son. she took an like she was like a foster mom. But I kind of see as she was the one that raised me in my court mm-hmm. so once again you truly love something you must let it go wow and then i come back to south sudan africa unfortunately my father was assassinated a week before i got back
0: mm. so here you are heir to the throne and you're in a your home country But truly, you don't feel at home. Now, we're going to talk about that in just a few. But Tekken, let's talk about these names. So am I counting correctly? You had three names before you reached your teenager?
1: Three names before I even knew what a syllable was.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So break it down. Explain to us, please, what each name meant. I know one meant replacement. And then Mm -hmm. what were the other two?
1: So um, when I was born, I had twin brothers that passed away before me. So that meant like I, you know, stepped into their place. Mm-hmm. And then six months later, I'm still alive. So my, they switched my name to tonight, like, meaning that thank God you're still alive. And you know, God, well, no pun intended. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then second, the common German boy like Adam or something like that. Oh,
0: that was your yeah. German name. I see.
1: Yes. All right. And so. It's actually T A C H E N pronounced as Tachen. Oh, uh huh. Yeah. Different
0: accents. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. So it's sort of ironic the way that your story um, pivots because when you went back to the village, you didn't get the privilege of seeing your father again. And I, I sincerely. Um, give my condolences for your loss. Um, yeah. Thinking about it, it's so ironic that the timing that he called to get you back to the village so that you would be king as if something was predestined or pre-orchestrated that he wasn't going to be there. Like he knew that you needed to be back at that particular time. Um. So once you got back, Tell us how that experience was. It had to be bittersweet.
1: Now that I think about it, my whole life is about people sacrificing a lot of things.
0: Mm.
1: When I came back you're right. I think he felt like something was up and um, he sacrificed himself for me to have a better life. And uh, I truly felt like God made an exchange. Took my when I when we took my dad away, I got two of the best moms anybody could ask for. Wow. You know, and then with that, you know, people forget, like, what am I going through? (laughs) How many many languages, like, when people ask me, who are you? What's your name? I don't know. (laughs) 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 You know, but that's why, you know, you you just learn to adapt. And, you know, my older sister, her name is Nimal. She's more like a father figure than ever. Because um, when I came back home, she was the one who taught me how to speak my native tongue all over again. Was oh. And then um, we were actually living in Idis Ababa, which is in Ethiopia. And then the land language there was Amaric. So I had to speak, learn Amharic, And then I had to learn a little bit of Arabic. And then a year later, I come to America. Now I got to learn English. I'm like, whoa, life, slow down. I know God doesn't give you anything you can handle, but hey, man. That was a little (laughs) overfilling.
0: Yes, that is something that many of us have never done, right? Most of us speak one, maybe two languages. Um, And here you are, elementary age and speaking several different languages. Truly, you are a gift. And there's gifts that have been placed in you. So when you're sent to America, you're with your biological family.
1: Yes, and um, with that, you know, I truly feel like you know when my German mom like went back on a fancy jet, went back. I felt like you know she was gonna come back. You know, maybe she's gonna go give me that bucket of strawberry ice cream that I've always wanted. So I just kept that window open Uh for a long time. Once it started getting dimmer and dimmer, but nonetheless, it was still a light, no matter how small it was. That's what I focused on because when I came back to have Africa with my biological family, it's like, um, they had, they already had their family. You know what I mean? Um, my oldest sister was a tomboy and she was like, my dad, you know, the son that my dad never had. Well, he, he did He does. But he just didn't think that I would come back. And then my little sister, you know, she was brand new. <laughs> I kind of felt like when I got back home, all the love kind of shifted away from them and came to me because I'm like, that which I didn't either intend or want because in doing so I kind of felt like that was not my family and I kind of intruded Ah. and never really felt at home. So yeah, it's bittersweet.
0: Understood. um, Wow. And to have those feelings at such a young age, it's kind of hard to decipher and know what to do with them because you're intaking so very much hats off to you for just the spirit of endurance truly you were born with that um and you would think you know oh wow this is powerful and there's still more to come as you integrate into American schools you had it a little rough so tell us a little bit about that please
1: Oh, yeah, that was pretty rough patch. Um, coming to America, you know, number one, navigating through elementary with a prosthetic, you know, people used to, kids are really cruel, you know, like, no kids should go through depression as a first grader or second grader. Uh-huh. I used to get teased about my leg, I used to get called an African Buddhist grader just because I didn't know how to speak English, but they just didn't understand my other four that I was speaking. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it was, it was really bad to the point that like, I used to even get fully and, you know, physically, you know, like in the boys locker room, like pee, you know, I would get teased, I would get tripped. And then, you know, my prosthetic, like the screws would come out and then everybody leaves. And then I would be the last ones looking for my screws to put back on my prosthetic. And then I'd be like, the last one walking out of the, you know, so it's kind of like the walk of shame every day. Oh, nice. And that did, that, that, that did so much for me, you know. But it's like, um, if you start young, you know, it's kind of like conditioning. You know, and this granted, it was um, it was very rough. But I'm glad it happened because it molded me who I am. To you know, thick skin.
0: Wow. Not Children are cruel. <laughs> Children can be so cruel. And you know, I'm so sorry you had to endure that. And I can just imagine my heart goes out to you. Um hopefully uh they've grown to be better people and they're not still doing mean things in their adult life.
1: Oh no. I don't give them time of day.
0: Right. I understand. But it's just something to think about. You know, where's the heart? Where's the love for just another human being? But, you know, Uh, I love the fact that even with that walk of shame, even as you were the last one and you had the noise of your prosthetic as you were coming out into that gym, you didn't let that deter you because you went on to play which sports? (laughs)
1: Yeah, uh, within that, you know, there's only so much that you can, you know, pick on the little kid, the quiet kid, before he snaps. <laughs> uh-huh. So instead of, you know, wallowing in my own pity, I took that negativity and turned it into some positive self-development. I became, allowed me to toot my own horn for a second. <clears throat> I became insanely good at basketball and football. I played varsity as a freshman in high school. I started doing weight training and I played varsity as uh, varsity basketball. I was a point guard. A hmm. And uh, my 40 yard dash was 4.9 with a 20 pound leg. Whoa.
0: Wow. Unthinkable. Impressive. And,
1: uh, yeah. And then in my high school days, you know, I was weight training a lot, you know, because these bullies are not going to get me anymore. And I think in that, I was. I was working out for the wrong reasons. I was doing it for revenge more than self-development. Mm-hmm. And that in itself is another ticking time bomb. That spiraled me down to the wrong direction. And um I started, you know, hanging out with the bad crowds, you know, oh the jocks, the chilies, you know, how that goes. Started drinking and then started smoking weed and you know, experimenting on drugs. And you know, I was really losing myself. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's like I went through all that. And the more, uh, as a kid, mind you, I'm still thinking like where in the world is my German mom mm-hmm. and um, everybody, like all my family. Because I, I don't even have my dad's picture because in the villages we didn't have cameras anymore. Oh. Mm-hmm. So it kind of hurts when all my family members and all my uncles and I just I look a splitting image of my father and. That Kind of does something, they're like, Oh, you're gonna go back home and take over your dad's legacy, his land. I'm like, Look, I don't even know which man You're talking about, I don't know what dad looks like. It looks just like you, and insecurities <laughs> again. How does the king have a disability? I can't lead, and that was another whole thing, you know, to the point that um, depression kicked in the plate super hard.
0: Right. So it's amazing that you were able to hold on to that hope of your German mother coming back to get you, of seeing her again, that that was able to give you the strength that you needed to endure, even though you were going down this seemingly um, dark pit. So I understand you said that you were with the wrong crowd, you dabbled a little bit in violence and street life, and then you got a couple arrests or what have you. But while you were in jail, what happened?
1: While I was in jail. I looked at myself, like, why am I here? Supposedly meant for something much more. My last name shows it. So when I got released, because I did a year, you know, for possession of marijuana and a zero tolerance state, Lord knows I don't even know why I did that. But um, when I got out, saw my mom crying and that did something to my soul because she already made the toughest decision of letting me go. I felt like mm-hmm. she was letting me go again. So I, try, I tried to change my life, you know, but it's just, you know, it's kind of like cutting something cold turkey, Ooh, it's a recipe for disaster. Mm-hmm. But I signed up for school. Just became, you know, started doing medical. Cl- uh, I went to medical school, and then um, I kind of was in and out. And um, now I'm slowly trying to become who I am. But then that was another recipe for disaster as well, too, because more depression kicked in. Mm. Because I now I am just I'm I'm an adult now, and you know, adult issues start happening. Am I going to are these girls really going to like me? They're not going to like a guy with a handicap and this and that, you know. Like,
0: At any time during your um, downward spiral, your depression, were you questioning why you? I mean, of all the people that this could happen to, why you? If
1: that was the title to my soundtrack, that would be it. <laughs> because <laughs> I used to think, you know, everybody in my family, they're all, you know, able-bodied. Two-man, two-man, you know. But me, why I had, why did, why me, you know what I mean? Like, why my, why did I get cursed to live this life? But then, since I started such at a young age, now i kind of gotten better at adapting, you know. Mm-hmm. I expect the worst. And mm-hmm. kind of nudge, you know, when the best, you know, what's happening. So I kind of grew a very thick shell around me. And to the point that in growing that shell around me to mask my feelings, it was like a, a rock sinking in the in the water. Oh. because the more that I asked the more that I dragged myself mm-hmm. down. And feelings is you, you can't you can't hold the feelings. You know what I mean? You cannot grasp it or anything. And, and I just never had self-love. Did you know what it was? Did you know what it looked like?
0: Wow. Uh, like to the it, point that it actually drove you to attempt suicide several times. Yes. And I believe one time um, you had a significant other mm-hmm. that did so, commit suicide. Would you tell us a little bit about how that affected you and that scenario?
1: Yeah, um, so mind you, this right this is like like the eye of the storm, you know, of my life. And um kind of like when they say you kick somebody when you're down, I was beneath the dirt and then we were partying and whatnot, and then my cousin um hangs was over front of me. So I for some reason I kind of felt like, you know, I could have just to stop it. And then I kind of like took on the burden of, oh, I could have, you know, he could have been here wasn't for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That drove me, oh man, I, I, I don't want nobody to ever feel like that way to the point that I went to the bathroom and I put the belt to my neck and I jumped off. And my cousin came to the bathroom and he was the one that found me and he did what somebody truly loves you. And you really need to seek help. He will do that for you. They will do that for you. because I definitely needed help. And then my older sister, remember I was telling you guys that she was like a father figure to me? hmm When I sobered up and I was in the psych ward, I did not want to take those pills. But they, you know, they're mandatory. they sedatives. Because my cousin, the one that just passed away, he was dealing with suicidal thoughts because of those pills that they made him take. That's what Drove me to become a pharmacist because I wanted to know the science behind all the side effects, and what chemicals <clears throat> makes that, you know? Wow! And ironically, they sense. they they let me go. to was you know, and that was probably the toughest thing I had to do in my life because the whole village already knew about it here in America. Should I say, as I was walking down the, uh, the aisle, so like it was open casket. All you hear is whispers. Oh
0: my God, that's, that's
1: the case. It's like humiliating, humility, or it's like just.
0: just humiliating, uh, yes, I can imagine.
1: It's just right there in Times Square for everybody to see. And then I walk up to the casket, I knelt down and I kissed last, i um, sorry, I failed you. That right there.
0: It's probably like the lowest I've ever been. Mm-hmm. I am emotional so, roller coaster. So so glad that you didn't stay in that low. Um, mm-hmm. Truly, you know, you have been through what some of us only see on the TV screen and can only imagine. You know, here you are from the palace to mm-hmm. prison. You know, and now you're working your way back, you know, to the palace. And I love the fact that when you got out of prison, your priorities were different. You were inspired to change. And even though you fought with that change and you struggled during the changing process, I I sort of picture it as a butterfly that is in the cocoon, right? So you, you have to do certain things on your journey. Um, because change is necessary and it's needed and you saw that so you wrapped yourself up in a cocoon but it was not so easy to get out many think that you know when you're ready you can just step out of depression or when you're ready when that butterfly is ready they just burst out of that cocoon but that's not how life works it's a process and in your process after the suicide attempt after the tragedy of losing your cousin and again condolences to you for that loss as well tell us please about the scenario that you found yourself in <laughs> that literally changed mm-hmm. your life
1: so it's kind of like a snake when it sheds its skin or like mm-hmm. you mentioned like the cocoon you literally have to Everything that you were once was mm-hmm. so you can become a brand new what you're supposed to be. So with that being said, we was at a party and my little other cousin she we were playing spades, you know you know how spades are it's pretty pretty intense. So mm-hmm. there's a guy that we didn't know and you know he was my cousin's partner and I had my friend on the other side so we went so this guy kept screaming first of all we didn't even know this person, but you know that's how intense it was don't get it. And then he lost. And he starts screaming, and yelling, why you cut me B, why you cut me B the B word. And um he throws the table over. Nice. Uh, that's a big no no. Mind you, I'm still in my um my rage. Y'all you know, okay. I might be short, but come try like especially not my family. So I stepped in the line of fire and uh I fought him and stabbed me in the chest three times. Gosh. And then I, I was looking around, because, you know, the adrenaline was like through the roof, and mm-hmm. for some reason, I was getting tired. I was getting sweaty, but it wasn't coming from my my hip forehead. I looked down, it was coming from my chest, my brand new white like sweat, all <laughs> uh, red. So, and then, and the, my eyes started, like, you guys know, like, in the movies, like, when the person's about to die, like. Their eyes stay wide open. I truly know what that means now. Oh, my. that's the last time you're going to see what you, <laughs> where you're at. And I had an out-of-body experience. And then I saw myself in the ambulance. They were doing chest compressions trying to get a pulse. I don't feel anything. And then out of nowhere, I vanished into a white room. And then there was a huge entity there. God's sakes, I knew I was going to hell on gasoline drops, wherever I was. It was, I don't know, I felt like I was there forever. But this energy, this source, was just admitting the most dynamic amount of love that I've never, ever could even fathom, nor can I even describe in words. Wow. To the point, to the point it was so, so, so powerful. My body down in the ambulance shedded a tear. That Amazing. was my cuckoo wow, Now I'm back in my body and I am the butterfly that who I am uh, today.
0: <laughs> Ooh, wow. So you flatline, had an out-of-body experience, and you came back. Were you given the option to come back or not? I know some people say they made the choice to come back.
1: No, because I was actually going towards it, but mm-hmm. I actually felt like what? who was up there but gave me a little bit of him to take down with me to the earth so i can share what i felt up there to everybody else wow Just, i don't want to shout it out loud i felt mm-hmm. this love and it's so good you got to share it you know
0: <laughs> you know i and, love the fact that you, you say love that, that you were up there and you felt or you were out of your body and you felt Love, you weren't afraid, you weren't scared, even though you thought you were going to hell, you still felt love.
1: Love will triumph all.
0: Oh, my goodness, mm.
1: the most powerful weapon known to existence,
0: exactly. And many times we fear death, mm-hmm. but so now you well, have no fear when I tell you.
1: You know how in the the wilderness or like uh, everybody say, stay away from the very bright colored, you know, butterflies or animals or snakes. Uh-huh. I was that because we, I'm I'm a beautiful butterfly now, and I'm dangerous as well too, but I'm dangerously out of love. Oh. I I ran into the guy that stabbed me. I could I could tell you before my awakening. Um, I was fantasizing about how I was gonna kill this guy. But when he tapped me on the shoulder, he came up to me and I looked at him and I knew exactly who he was. It was almost like a flashback. And then he was crying and he said, Tekken, I'm so sorry, man. You know, you didn't testify against this and that. I was in a coma for some reason, I don't know what spoke to me, but I was like, you know what, I'm alive, you're you're good. Just go be a father to your kids. I forgive you, man. You know, just please, you know, do right. And in the midst of forgiveness and love. A huge, huge weight was lifted off my off my chest. I said, guys, I don't even walk with the limp no more because I just gained my wings. I'm a butterfly. Mm. So yeah. not
0: only did you forgive, you begin to embrace your disability. Mm-hmm. Yes. And practice loving yeah. you. And I love the way you say I don't limp anymore. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that you're, exactly, that's what I going to say. That doesn't mean that your walk um, is, quote unquote, normal, as we would say. But now you walk with rhythm. I yeah. love it, love it, love it. Um, yeah. Please, share with us. There's something that you're known for saying and I think is so very powerful. Tekken, the day you died is finished for me.
1: The day that I woke up. Amen.
0: I love it. Now I see the world in different lenses. Uh And And so you're now doing what? Like, what, what are you doing now? I understand Mm -hmm. you have all these talents and all these gifts. You're a comedian, you're a rapper, you're a pharmacist. I mean, a pharmacist doesn't even seem to go with singer and rapper, (laughs) the entertainment, but I understand why you went to school um, to be a pharmacist. And Mm -hmm. on top of that, um, you're helping so many um, with telling your story and advocating for those with disabilities. So what else is there possibly for you to be doing in the future? What are your plans?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, well, within, you know, my awakening is I try seeking seek validation to in myself instead of everybody else. You know, it truly it starts with you. You know, and then within yourself, doors open up. A lot of doors open up. And therefore, um remember that little love that I that was brought down with me? Mm-hmm. That's what I'm trying to share with the world now because everybody's unique and embraced it. So I started embracing it's not a flaw, it's a superpower. Mm-hmm. So I started embracing myself with my disabilities and, and whatnot to the point that I took my leg off on stage and not even knowing it. There was somebody in the crowd that came up to me after the show and said, what you did was super powerful because I have a prosthetic. I thought I was the only one, but it made me feel better about myself when you did it. Now that impact. is the love that I have I was so to spread. What an impact. Self-love. Yes.
0: And you're doing that, you know, in all these various facets of, Comedy, and even when you're helping those, you know, in with the pharmaceuticals and you know, inspiring as you're speaking, even, um, is spreading that love. I thank you so much for all that you do. Truly, you are an inspiration, and hats off to you because you too are a star.
1: With the self love, guys, my German mom found me last year.
0: Oh. You held on to the hope and it actually happened. Mm -hmm. How beautiful. How beautiful. I'm whole again. Oh, that's amazing. And I love the fact that you're doing Bill Today Entertainment because you're going to help so many with that. Because so many hide their gifts behind their disability. If the audience would like to get in touch with you, how can they do so?
1: You can catch me on Instagram at tech tutdeal t e k t u t d e a l. Catch me on Facebook, which is t e k middle name b i e l last name t u t d as in dog e a l. I also have a YouTube page mm-hmm. which is just second t e k k e n and my last name. So pretty all basic it. And um, with that, you know. I'm launching Bill Dale Entertainment and my dad's legacy. Because in the near future, I'm building a platform for anybody. If you are not welcome anywhere else, neither was I. So let's build one ourselves. You didn't have a voice. I didn't have a voice. But through self-love, I bust through the thresholds. So what is your excuse?
0: Yes, indeed. And thank you for tuning in to Purifying Truths with 8 Stars. Tune in every Saturday at 9 a.m. for exciting new guests who illuminate the world in the various facets of life. You too. Facebook and Instagram at Facets of a Star. Check out the webpage, www.facetsofastar.com. Shine bright.